This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the 25th Sunday after Pentecost, November 14th, 2021, offered at St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Roanoke, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, the beginning of Mark's little apocalypse. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In 2014, the Dalai Lama came to Birmingham. Now, this was quite a big deal, and his visit was announced months in advance. Over the course of the week, it was planned that the Dalai Lama, the spiritual head of Tibetan Buddhism, would attend several events. He would go to the 16th Street Baptist Church. He met with neuroscientists and doctors from UAB, but the culmination of his visit was a talk on ethics held at Regions Field, the baseball stadium downtown. They covered the baseball diamond, the grass, so that they could move seats in onto the field in addition to the seating in the stadium. And so I managed to get pretty good seats down on the field. I was eager to hear the Dalai Lama speak. Right, He was not only the recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize, he spent time with Thomas Merton, one of my favorite modern mystics, and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Surrounding the baseball stadium, there was a a really festive atmosphere. Artists had made prayer flags. There was a sculpture erected um, in the parking lot of Good People Brewing Company across from the baseball stadium. There were Tibetan supporters of the Dalai Lama that had come into town and that were walking around and playing music and chanting. To me, one of the neatest things that happened around the Dalai Lama's visit was they set up this tent at Railroad Park where there were these monks that were making a sand mandala. Um, Now, this isn't a simple thing. The monks spend years studying the art form of how to design this intricate uh, image and create these designs with these special brightly colored sand. The sand is um, a little bit denser than just regular sand, so if you sneeze, it doesn't fly everywhere. And so in this tent, there was a table that was set up and they had the design kind of sketched out and 11 monks spent five days making the design. They started in the center, making the design very, very carefully and would move out, um, um, adding a new layer to the mandala. It was fascinating to watch. I made a couple of visits to the tent to see the skill of the monks and the care that was taken and placing like each little individual grain of sand. And then after all of these days of creating this mandala, they held a closing ceremony. Um, A bunch of folks, including me, squeezed into a tent. It was sort of rainy outside and we came there to hear the music and the prayers of the monks. And then we watched the unimaginable. A monk stood in front of the mandala and there's music and chanting and prayers and all of a sudden the monk threw a flower into the middle of the mandala and it dropped there in the center. And then the monk came and pinched sort of the center of the mandala and then he drew a line this way and then that way, making quarters, drawing a line, making quarters and eighths of this beautiful mandala, drawing his finger through the sand. And then another monk came and took this sort of little broom device and smeared each quarter, mixing all the colors together. And then they kept doing this and doing this until finally there was just this swirl of color with the flower in the middle. 
I often think of this scene, right, of my amazement at the work of the monks, this intricate design, and then watching the monks destroy what they had worked so hard to make. I think of this when I read this opening passage of Mark, that we call this passage here in this chapter, the little apocalypse, right? It's one of the largest, longest teaching passages that we get in Mark. And looking at the beauty of the mandala and feeling that amazement and awe, I sort of have a sense of maybe what the disciple might have felt walking through the temple and seeing the beauty and the size of these huge stones and just standing there in amazement. And then both of us, both the disciple and me, are suddenly confronted by the temporariness of what gave us all. Jesus said, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. This moment is the end of Jesus' time in the temple, right? We've had the flipping over of tables. He's taught in the temple. He's seen the widow make her offering. And it leads to this long teaching passage in, in Mark that consists of this whole chapter. And so once they leave the temple, they go across to the Mount of Olives and looking across the valley to the city of Jerusalem, he can see the temple. He can see the whole city. And the disciples in that moment want to know a sign for when this destruction is going to happen. They want something certain from Jesus to hold on to given what uncertainty is about to come now jesus's answer is a tricky one right we should come to expect this from jesus by now that he's going to give us um, complicated answers and he answers giving us these words that are very scary but they are familiar parts of the human condition right that there's going to be wars and rumors of war and nation rise against nation and earthquakes and famines and going beyond our excerpt jesus goes on to talk about how the disciples will be betrayed and persecuted and how the moon will turn to blood and it's just this scary sort of horrible outlook in 2021 right as we have leaders that have been meeting to make a plan to try to hold off the devastating effects of climate change as we maybe are now emerging from a global pandemic into a world that is economically politically and social and socially unstable and divided Jesus's scary words hit close to home. We may be tempted to look and say, clearly here are the signs that the end is coming, right? And like the disciples, we would like something certain to hold on to. But Jesus doesn't give us the certainty in the way we might like. Instead, in this moment, in this talk of instability and terror, Jesus teaches us how Christians should respond to a world that is in distress. All these terrifying things that Jesus, is, that Jesus names, the terrifying things that we have experienced in our world, this is not how God intends the world to be, right? This is not what God's plan is. Paul tells us that the present form of this world is passing away in 1 Corinthians. So Christians living in a world of fear and division are called to stand as witnesses to God's intention by being people of hope and people that seek justice and righteousness. Now, some folks are tempted to say that the bad things that happened are God's judgment, right? Any natural disaster, tornado, hurricane, earthquake, there is always somebody ready to run in and point to say how this is God's judgment on us instead of realizing that usually humans are the best agents of our own destruction. As Christians in these moments, we're not called to give in to the fear that these people are trying to feed on, but instead we are called to point to the ways that God's kingdom is breaking into the world. We're called to point to the people that are there to help those to recover after a natural disaster or that are helping each other or that are seeking justice. 
Jesus tells us that in this world of sort of distress and transition and uncertainty, there are three things that Christians need. First, we must be discerning. Right? We must be on the lookout for threats from within and from without. We must discern true leaders from those that claim the authority of Jesus to lead people through fear and division and not through love and grace. We've got to be patient. Right? Jesus tells us that these events are just the birth pangs. Right? Anybody that has waited with somebody that is pregnant, particularly when they feel like they're 10 months pregnant and it's August and it's hot, there's no way to make a baby come any faster. The baby comes in its own time. And so Jesus says that these are the birth pangs. There's a lot of work that goes into the transformation of the world. And as Christians, we are called to be patient. And we need to remember and remind each other that while the powers of this world are imposing they are not indomitable. And then finally, and maybe most importantly, we must hope. For Mark, for the Gospel of Mark, the call of Christian disciples is to trust that God is transforming the world and that we, we disciples of Christ, are called to participate in that transformation. And it is our hope in Christ that sustains us through the birth pains, that sustains us through the waiting, through the uncertainty and the distress. For those monks making that sand mandala, the goal of the mandala was not really the intricate piece of art that was there on the table. The purpose of the mandala was the community that came together to make it. The 11 monks that cooperated to lay out this design and place the sand. The people that came to the tent to watch them do it, right? To, to stand in awe of their work that shared in this intention to create something beautiful and to celebrate this moment in this community that was being created around the visit of the Dalai Lama. After the monks created this sort of swirl of sand on the table with the flower in the center, the sand is swept up into a pile and then little scoops are put into bags and given to those of us that were there watching the closing ceremony. And then what remained, they put in a container to take to a river or a stream to pour out. The idea of this is that by giving the sand to people, by pouring the sand into moving water, that they are taking the blessings of that moment, of that community that created this beautiful mandala, and they are sharing it with the world, right? They're sharing it with each person that takes sand with them. They're sharing it with all of creation by pouring it into a stream, the final goal of the mandala, right, was not the artwork, but was to create a community that could share a blessing. And so as disciples of Jesus, right, we are called in this world that is passing away to share the blessings of Christ with those around us, especially when the world seems so uncertain and divided. We're called to share the blessings of Jesus, the gift of discernment, the gift of patience, the gift of hope. Like everything we do here in the church is not for the beauty of the church building or the prayers or their music, but is to make us be able to go out in the world and to share the blessing of Christ with those that need it. Amen.